after the show, why not join the hosts for a drink in producer Ken's Peggy Mampod Bar? There's real ale, red wine, crackers, cocktail recipes, and nine bowls of pickled eggs that have been out since yesterday, all served with a smile by producer Ken at the glistening room temperature of a recording studio with no aircon. Chip in with recollections of your Gen X childhood, berate the hosts on their drunkenness, inappropriate language, and incorrect cast lists and transmission dates, or just soak up the vintage ambience and free 128K internet connection and gush your praise in a five-star iTunes review. Dr. Velvet and Blackout will be glad to welcome you along, providing they can still talk, and who knows, you may just bump into a special guest or two as well. Yes, why not have a drink after the show? The hosts will be... This afternoon, a man in Mount's magical movie mayhem. Until we've watched it for this episode, I'd never seen it. I was aware of it, of course I was. In, in which case... Obviously, it's now apparent then that I have suggested this, and I feel I should probably apologise. Uh, you couldn't apologise enough. <laughs> Director Robert Altman, the guy who made the MASH film, he's adapted a comic cartoon um, by opting for like this very sort of visual storytelling. And he had to, given that nobody can hear a fucking word that Robin Williams is muttering around that pipe. This this ridiculous, pathetic slapstick. So you know, again, I didn't mind that. I think it's it really bollocks. Exit stage left. Are you alright? Hello and welcome to the Peggy Mount Sunday Matinee Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here to refresh the memory of reels of retro video cinema from the 1980s. Yes, hello you. Thanks for swinging by for this slipshod salacious scrutiny of small screen cinema because there's nothing on the telly so producer Ken's been down the video shop to rent out the latest blockbuster. If you go to PeggyMountPod.com, info and gubbins for the film we're discussing is in the show notes there. Plus you can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello or suggest things you'd like us to cover. And before we swagger into a new town, muttering under our breath and start punching strangers in a pub, Dr Velvet, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Now, don't fall off your chair. Top Deck Shandy. Ooh, nice. With uh-huh. a steady a steady flow of Woods Navy Rum Chasers. Hmm? Delightful. Here we go. I'm absolutely here for this. Absolutely. You? Uh, I have got a bottle of St. Ives Alba IPA. Alba? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. That'll do. Yeah, it will. Oh, good. Get a drink. You'll need it. <laughs> because, without further ado, let us set sail onward to today's viewing. Disfigured, a speech impediment, and an aggressive attitude. But enough about producer Ken. The hero of this week's podcast has been rattling our cultural flaps since 1929 as the star of many a comic and cartoon. So it was only a matter of time before he was realised in the flesh, as it were. He's strong to the finish, which coincidentally was exactly what I was looking forward to after ten minutes. Yes, 
Popeyes, the 1980 Disney-fueled live-action musical adaptation of everyone's favourite violent seaman created as a promotional character for the Spinach Marketing Board. It's written by Jules Pfeiffer and directed by Robert Altman. Robin Williams stars as the titular raging mariner, searching for his father he drifts into a small seaport village of Sweethaven whilst trying to woo Shelley Duvall's olive oil and stare out of the trouble caused by Paul L. Smith's blue till. Regular larger-than-life characters from the original comic strip return, all set against a musical backdrop written by Harry Nilsson, with characters seeping into song throughout. So, did you enjoy Popeye back in the day? Um... Yes, there was. I mean, my introduction to Popeye was the Hanna Barbera, the all new Popeye show. Yeah, yeah, no, mine as well. Yeah, I would definitely uh, watch those cartoons, like if they were on. But yes. I don't remember ever caring enough to get any of the merch or the comics. I can't even remember if there was merch and comics, but there must have been. Otherwise, Disney wouldn't have bankrolled this three years after Star Wars. Um, and yet, when this film landed, I did ask to go and see it, and I did mm-hmm. go and see it. And yet, and right. yet, I remember literally nothing about it until I've watched it for this podcast, apart from the colour palette and the uh, rickety wooden village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, comics, Popeye featured... I don't know if you remember a publication called TV Comic. Yeah, yeah. Popeye featured regularly in that. Okay. And I remember visiting London with the folks. I've got a picture in the attic of me sat outside Buckingham Palace holding a TV comic Popeye special which was released in conjunction with the release of this movie I thought for a minute you were going to say you actually went to the West End to watch this right <laughs> no no I, I didn't see this movie back in the day in ah, fact okay in fact until we've watched it for this episode I'd never seen it I was aware of it of course I was in, in which case obviously it's now apparent then that I have suggested this and I feel I should probably apologise. Uh, you couldn't pol- apologise enough. <laughs> oh, bless. So we open. We we open dramatically. As it's it, a nice start. As it's it, a nice start. It's a lone figure rowing across a, a flat, but in fairly sort of calm sea, but under these storm clouds with thunder. It's got quite this sort of Lovecraftian edge to it. He makes it to this sort of dilapidated fishing town, which I swear could double for Innsmouth, and I'm like, this is getting dark, isn't it? And then, yeah, it gets all sunny, and it just stays in that lighter colour palette for the rest of the film, but it's leaving it. Well, there's a nice little start right at the very beginning with the cartoon. It's all right. It's not really much of a feature. It's like like sort of ten seconds, and you think, okay. It is, but I just thought it was a nice touch. They used Jack Mercer, who was the guy who did the voice for Popeye when we were watching it in the all-new Popeye show. Right. Um, And, yeah, you're right. The the atmospheric start, the stranger ruin ashore amidst a storm, um, going towards the town of Sweethaven, a beautifully constructed set. Can I say that I've been to? Without having seen the film, fair play. I was on holiday in Malta. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the set in photographs and things. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we took a trip there. It's ruined now um, because they've coloured it all multicoloured and cheerful. It's lost that 
natural aesthetic. Okay, okay. Uh, which which the film had because it, it's a gorgeous set. Yeah, it's. I've got to admit the production values on it are very nice, and obviously, yeah, it's the coastline of Malta. It looks mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous and goes precisely nowhere to explain why all of the characters have American accents. I don't know where this Indeed. is meant to be. Just off Goon Island, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we get a little musical number, which um, is there to showcase the fishing town of Sweet Haven. Uh, our eponymous hero is revealed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Robert Robin Williams as Popeye. And I can't understand a word the man is saying. Oh, take this, take that. Oh, I'm mad. Mm-hmm. I'm just disgusted. When you pay your taxes, you should get a cervix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mind, I've got that as well. I'm thinking I like the director, Robert Altman, the guy who made the MASH film. He's adapted a comic cartoon um, by opting for like this very sort of visual storytelling. And he had to given that nobody can hear a fucking word that Robin Williams is muttering around that pipe. Not one. If he mumbled any more, I'd swear to God it was Tom Hardy playing Popeye. Right. I mean, the voice is right because the sounds are there. Okay? But the loss of clarity... Yeah, yeah. And he's um, just well, he's literally just walking around muttering to himself like some... literally a crazy old-timer. Ooh, look at that. Uh, Always seems to care. You've got so much to bear, ma'am. Can I blow me down? I said that. Oh, it's the wind in air. Just trying to double there. And this, it, the sound isn't very well dubbed either. So oh, we'll, that we'll get onto that. The ADR is comical, but yes. It really is. It really is. So we have another walk around the town, but this time with Popeye taking it all in and singing and muttering and we still can't hear a word yep not a word fortunately there's nothing too much to understand at this point so he finds the oil house mm-hmm. who are offering a room to rent yep yeah and there she is we meet Olive Oil played by Shelley Duval. now am I right in thinking that you struggled with this aspect of the film Words fail me with this. <laughs> it's got to be said, generally speaking, as much as I do respect her, like on a professional level, I don't. I tend not to really enjoy the stuff that Shelley Duvall does. Um, I actually think she does quite well in this, considering how irritating the character of Olive Oil is to begin with. I thought it was going to push it up to like stupid levels for me, but I'm just like, no, no, no. She suits this character perfectly. It works reasonably well. It's probably the closest thing to the comic slash cartoons that the entire film has got. Olive Oil, the cartoon character, could express. <laughs> and the voice she's chosen. Ken, run that tape. Oh, I'm sorry, Mother, but it's ugly. I ask you, have you ever seen anything so ugly? I won't be engaged in this hat. Now, I'm not, I'm not kidding here. I threw a sandal at the window and I shouted, for fuck's sake, man, because... <laughs> No, she's she, now Popeye mutters, she witters in a high pitched. We are ten minutes into this film, and I'd rather chew carpet tacks than carry on watching. That's the point that I'm at. So is Popeye supposed to come off like he's got a laundry list of undiagnosed psychoses? I sort of suspect that 
the character has come into close contact with the minions of Dagon while he's been at sea and has gone completely mad, and this is a fever dream in the last stages of his breakdown. There's definitely a psychedelic horror version of this film to be made. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would go along with that. Th- that scene where he first meets Olive Oil, uh-huh. and there's all that palaver in the bedroom. Yeah. And, listener, I advise you to watch it. It doesn't have the inference that you might think when I say that. It's it's this this ridiculous, pathetic slapstick. So you know, again, I didn't mind that. I think it's it really bollocks. <laughs> I think it's relatively well coordinated. It would have worked better if the direction of the film itself didn't feel so slapdash. But in terms of the timing of the slapstick and its execution, I'm like, no, that's that's fine. Yeah, they're, they're doing what they're meant to be doing at the right moment yeah I'll give him that I'll give him that I couldn't work out what the actual hell was going on in the film that's where my brain was for the first 20 minutes I'm thinking well no because we don't understand what's being said exactly he's pulled up on the docks he's walked into town he's met olive oil now what Mm -hmm. now now what it just takes so long to get anywhere yes it does yes so so we leave this ridiculous scene they they all sit down to dinner with family members Mm -hmm. and friends and discuss... Well, I don't know what to discuss, because I can't understand a fucking word that's being said. Yeah, they all just take turns to mumble sequentially. Yes. And I, the thing is, I'll bet my knickers that it's the premise of the plot that's being <laughs> said here. And I've not, a, I've not a clue. Well, apparently Olive Oil has been engaged to Pluto. I think it's meant to be several times. Yeah. Um... And I don't know why, because everyone in the town's like terrified of him. The man tells people when to go to bed. He tells an entire town when to go to bed. Yeah, and again, I'm like, how is this working? I don't remember any of this from the new Adventures of Popeye. No, it was it was changed. It was put into modern day context. Um, mm. But in the original comics, in the whole world of Popeye, this is this is true to canon. Okay. To be fair. Okay. So we head off to the uh, to the pub, don't we? With uh, with Popeye. That's that's going to end well. Well, cute, yes, as you say, it's the next day and it's another song. Everything is food, food, food. Everything is food to go. Everything is food for thought. Everything you can eat is dough. It is food. Everything. What is this song about? Right. When they just say, oh, every day is food, 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 and you're like, what, are you talking about having to eat to survive? I I don't understand why this is some kind of revelation to you. And why do all the songs so far have the same tempo as a morning march? Yep. This is like watching Lionel Bart's Oliver set on the beach. But in terms of story, I, I don't know what's happening. Now, something happened when they were in the bar that stopped me in my tracks. And it's something Mm. that, in all of my years, I had not actually considered before. Is Popeye only supposed to have one eye? Is that what his name's about? I think so, yeah. I'd always just assumed he was doing some sort of semi-piratical squint, right? It didn't occur to me that he's actually lost an eye at some point, like an albatross has eaten it or a whelk has burrowed into his skull or something. And they start saying in the pub, they're like, oh, you, you've only got one eye. And then, of course, it goes to Robin Williams who's got one of his eyes closed. He doesn't wear an eye patch, like like any other kind of um, nautical man would. He, ju- he just keeps mm. that eye closed. And there's sort of like a bit of a bubble on the eyelid, and you're like, why don't you open your eye, show everyone the socket, and really shit the audience up? Why don't you do that? I thought it might liven up 
about half an hour in when uh, when William starts punching people, but the pace is still oddly static, even though it's a fight scene. <laughs> yeah, really is. It's it's it was a little lift, but not much. It doesn't get much better when we go to Olive's engagement party either. That very night, another mutter fest. Olive's getting ready, mm-hmm. and her mates are helping her. Yeah. Cue a musical number, and cue me wanting to rip me own ears off with razor blades. Ken, play a clip. He's tall, good looking, and he's large. (laughs) He's large. They sound like a Greek chorus locked in a funeral. Locked in a blender. (laughs) Whilst the girls are helping with party preparations, Olive decides to fuck right off out the door with a suitcase and a basket. Uh Uh-huh. Whereby, of course, she bumps into Popeye outside. Uh, Yep, yep. This scene here... He's just walking around at night, as he would. Uh Uh-huh. This this scene here, she's high-pitched wittering, he's muttering. Again, I I, I don't know what's going on. What's happening here now? What's going on? But at this point, everyone's turned the lights out as well because it's night time. So you can't hear anything and you can't really see anything. That's fine. Yeah. No place to go. Can go to no party without an invite. You scared the wits out of me. Yeah, I almost knocked them out of you too. What right do you have to lurk here in the dark in the middle of the night and scare the wits out of a person? Uh, um, and is this the bit where they find the baby? Yes, it is. Where they have to. Yes, it is. They have to explain why there's a baby between this unmarried yes. couple. Because again, I'm assuming this goes like way back into Popeye's past. That's right. You know, where you couldn't really just like. Have, oh yeah, they got a baby or whatever, and he's like away for years on end, years at end on sea, and da 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 da. She's got a baby though. That's it. Everything above board. Um, yeah, they just find a baby. Who puts the baby there? Someone sort of shoves it. Was they this, do. They swap the baskets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh it right, is. okay. They swap the baskets, and there's a note left, and the the mother has said she's not fit to um, own the baby, and. She'll be. She'll come back for him when he's twenty-five, and she's in a more suitable position to do so. Right. Okay. Yeah. But before we even get to that, though, when the baby is in the basket, clearly it's got a rattle, and it rattles it. Uh huh. Olive oil thinks it's a rattlesnake. Oh. <gasps> yep. The, 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 I, I believe they're um they are native to Malta, aren't they? Not that it's her reaction to it. The, the pathetic, <laughs> the pathetic performance. I nearly sold me telly. <laughs> this was this. Oh, nah. Somebody has deliberately painted that basket to look like my basket. My basket was clean and beautiful, and this basket's ugly. Yes. Huh? Miss Olive, we should have dinner first. Oh, 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 oh
where's Miss Hoyle? Where's the Where's the Where's the Don't worry, Miss Hoyle. I've handled vermin before. I've read about snakes always with a pair of shoes. That's I've read about me love book. I've read them upside down. I've seen little mariachis. No, I'll get them. Words, honestly, words do fail me with what I've witnessed during this film. It was fucking gash. Can we can we stop for a moment as well and like the bit where Bluto is like he's sort of walking around in a grump, but he's like uh-huh. he's also sort of singing his song. It's not really singing; it's kind of like talking vaguely in time with some music that's playing. Do you mean when he smashes the Isles house up, shouting and singing "I mean"? Yes, yes. Now Paul L. Smith is playing Bluto here. Who's mm-hmm. dubbing the voice? Flowers. I forgot the flowers. Because he sounds like Mummy Man from the Drag Pack, doing an impression <laughs> of Zed from Police Academy. Right. Yeah. It is absolutely insane it that is. this it made is. it to cinema screens in 1980. Yeah. 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 It is coming off the back of the, the, the you know, the previous five years in cinema. What had come out. Yep. Uh, and let's not forget, this is Paramount and Disney collaboration. This. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you it's know. not like... It doesn't open with a Disney ident, but no. their name's on it at the front. Yeah, you know, they're, absolutely. They're running up to this. It sort of feels like an extended improv sketch where the performers have been given the characters and the location, but no situation to act out, and they're just waiting for Clive Anderson to buzz in and put an end to it, but he's fallen asleep as well. That's right. Or fed himself to a giant octopus. We'll get to that. Won't we? <laughs> So, but yeah, the um, the songs in this are Shit. again just weird. They've got the yeah, bearing yeah. of like a, a middling Broadway musical, but mm-hmm. they're all uniformly boring. Yeah, there's just people wandering around on the set, and there's this sort of droning sound. And about a minute in, you realise this is one of the musical numbers. All oh, right, okay, right. Anyway, so okay, uh, Bluto smashes the oil's house up, wanders outside. And then he meets Popeye for the first time. Here it is, this first meeting. Which results in a fist fight, which tries to emulate the cartoons. I get what they're doing here. Again, I'm thinking at this point, whenever like something does kick off, I'm like, just having massive forearms isn't going to make Popeye punch very hard, is it? The cartoon version has got huge hands as well. And all of your punching mm-hmm. powers re- really coming from your shoulder anyway. You're... Mm-hmm. But the forearms, that's not cutting it. All Robin Williams' Popeye's got is, like, sluggishly heavy arms. Yeah. I don't see how this is going to help. Well, it doesn't, because Popeye gets belted the length. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know... Um, and then, of course, we go to... Uh, we go to a boxing match after that. What's... Yeah, how, how does this come about? I, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Basically, we've got Oxblood Oxheart who's a morbidly obese boxing champion, um, he just sails into town with his travelling show. It's kind of like a fairground that comes with him, right? Um, mm. But his centrepiece for this is just laying out the locals with the bit of prize money. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, at, uh, at the behest of his mother. Yeah. Uh, so they have like a, a big kind of, you know, oh, it's the night time now, we'll have the fight, everyone come and see the fight. Um, mm. All of the physical comedy so far in this film counts for absolutely nothing as the series of fights that we now see is filmed without flair, atmosphere or jeopardy. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
positive note, Popeye is victorious in the fight. Of course he is. Uh, then there's another scene in the oil house, muttering. I don't know what they're saying. Not a clue. And then we're off to the casino boat. Because Wimpy, who, uh-huh. not the worst adapt- physical adaptation, um, Wimpy has worked out that Sweepy, the baby, can predict a race winner. Yeah, yeah. Rather like the budgie on Carry On At Your Convenience. Mm-hmm. So off they go, and Popeye's yeah. foreman. Yeah, he takes into uh, this. Um, it's sort of like half boat, half bet and shop, half brothel by the looks of it. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's basically wanting to win that money to uh, to facilitate his own eating disorder. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. That was with you, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Yes. Fuck me. <laughs> I mean, again, fair play to Harry Nielsen. Popeye has got enough songs to qualify as a musical. They're just not anywhere near good enough for Popeye to qualify as a musical. It barely qualifies as a film. <laughs> um, speaking of music, yes, we get the I Am What I Am song. Yeah. What am I? I ain't no physicist, but I knows what matters. What am I? I'm Popeye, the sailor. And I am what I am, what I am, and I am what I am, and that's all that I am, cause I am what I am. Uh, you got it? I think so, yeah. And I've got a lot of muscle, and I only got one eye, and I never hurt nobody, and I'll never tell a lie. Top to me bottom, from the bottom to me top. That's the way it is, till the day that I drop. What am I? I am what I am. Yeah, I sort of vaguely remembered this once it started. Help me? <laughs> Can someone please help? Or because <gasps> me, me patience is freeing now here. <laughs> anyway, stuff happens, and we meet we meet his pap, <laughs> Popeye's pap. Uh-huh. We, we meet his father. Yeah, it's um, it's an hour and twenty minutes into the film. And God, they're, basically, they're basically putting in like a, a new character. It's, it's yeah. the mysterious, the Commodore. And the Commodore. Yeah, it's, right. it's Popeye's dad, as is obvious from the very first frame where he appears. So there's absolutely, absolutely. no reveal there. <laughs> None <laughs> no, at all. No one on set seems to have worked this out, but that's fine. The foreshadowing at the beginning of the film when he starts talking about his pap. Uh-huh. You, you know his pap is going to turn up. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, that's that's fine. It's more the fact that they're just like we don't need to, we, we don't need to show him at any other point earlier in the film behind the scenes. Mm. It's just a, a character will be referred to, and then when he does turn up, it's blindingly fucking obvious who that is. That absolutely. Popeye's pap pops up. Yep. So then, yeah, Popeye Popeye goes to the Commodore ship to rescue the baby who wasn't his baby. Mm-hmm. Um, he clocks that. Uh, the Commodore, or, I mean, give him his full scatological name, Poop Deck Pappy. That's right. <laughs> that he's his old man. And then they're basically just grizzling gurn each other for ten solid minutes. Ten minutes. Ten while minutes. We wait, while we wait for Josie Long and John Sessions to come on as two more Popeyes or something, because I'm like, they're right. making this up as they go along. That's right. Um, I was waiting for Sid Little to pop out of a wardrobe. Good Lord. They mentioned spinach. Finally, a mention. Uh-huh. Sin of a cinematic outing um, rumbles on and grinds on. Eventually, of course, Popeye has to rescue Olive Oil from Bluto. 
such was the plot line of every single cartoon. That's absolutely that fine. That, that I'm yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. fine with that. If anything, why have they left it until now? Why has it had to build up to this? It's something you could have put in at least twice more earlier in the film. Just engineer a better situation for it, but yeah, yeah, yeah fine. I mean, the and yeah, we, um, we go out to sea. The slowest the- boat chase ever. Yeah, yeah. There's this. Um, we get this. This other. It, it's sort of like a musical number, where where Popeye, he bangs on about children, and it's as if hip hop has been invented by an elderly white man. And what you get in return? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing but heartache, heartache, sadness, and misery. And a bad time once in a while when you try to give them a bath and they don't want it. Another bad time when you want to do something that you really want to do, but all they want to do is know what you want to do. Uh, an elderly white man talking manically over banjos. Yeah. And then the ships fall apart and everyone goes in the water. There's some, treasure, there's some treasure or something. That's what Popeye yes. wants. Yes. And the ADR in this bit, because they clearly couldn't use any of the dialogue recorded on the day, is fucking atrocious. It really is. It, it makes the acoustics of the Rocky Maltese coastline sound exactly like a Burbank recording studio. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, even the bit where the octopus says, fuck this. You can't understand that. <laughs> well, this is it. I'm like, pip, pip, papity, pap, pap. He gets the treasure. <laughs> while, um, while Popeyes and Bluto start beating the shit out of each other. I've made that sound more exciting than it is. And apparently there was still money left in the budget for a special effect, which suggests a giant octopus, albeit one which doesn't move much. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Eee. Then, then. One hour and 47 minutes into the film. You're reading me notes. You're reading me we, notes. We finally get the spinach thing and the Popeye song. We Arguably have the only things that everybody has turned up for. Right. And then the film ends. An hour and 47 minutes build up to someone eating canned veg. Yep. By the way, the spinach marketing board quickly disassociated themselves from the character when it became apparent that Popeye uses strength derived from the iron rich leaves to bat a fuck out of anyone with whom he disagrees. That's right, yes, yes. And then it ends. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. This was a slog, this. It was hard work. I, again, sort of feel like I should apologise to the listeners for having to sit through us. Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, at the end of the day, mm. how many pegs would you put onto the rickety old washing line <laughs> on, on Sea Haven Seafront? One peg. And that's, that's for the set. <laughs> and that's only because you've been there. <laughs> right? I would rather have sexual relations with a wasp's nest whilst clog dancing on a landmine before watching this again. What the hell were they thinking? Disastrous. And that is not an exaggeration. I'd have demanded a refund back in the day if I'd paid to see this. What a shower. Nah. Oh, good lord. You? Well, other than someone running into the office and exclaiming, Lads, 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 I've only secured the film rights to bloody Popeye! Um, how did this get made? I know that Popeye was more of a thing in the late 70s, early 80s, but would this screenplay really have been enough? Two out of nine. Generous. I do think when it comes to the time to reboot it and incorporate it into the, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe... I want Bruce Forsyth to play Popeye with the massive prosthetic forearms and uh, Eunice Stubbs to be olive oil. Paul Shane to be Bluto. Yes, hard agree. 
So the question that everyone is leaning out of shuttered windows first thing in the morning and breaking into song to ask is, how many steps would it take you to yodel up the mountain? So, Shelley Duval is in this, and also in Time Bandits, alongside Gerald Wells, who also rolled up in 1957's The Naked Truth with... Don't speak to me, I'm in shock. Well, at least something's efficient around here. You know what I mean? Ah, what about you? I can also do it in two. Oh, uh Robin Williams was apparently happy to have his name put on this, and sticking with Disney, he also lent his voice to a straight-to-video sequel, Aladdin and the King of Thieves, with... John Rhys-Davies, who starred in the Buttons episode of Once Upon a Time with... Peggy Mount. Super, superb, superb. Whew. So while I go and order the new Heidi High action figure set from Playmobil, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for being with us through this. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Or we are at PeggyMountPod on the Twitter. You can also find us by searching for the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour on Facebook. And don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com to check out the show notes and to browse all of our other episodes. Alternatively, there are also some slightly more chin strokey words on this film from me over at worldofblackout.co.uk. It's as simple as that. It really is. Right, we're off to ask the video shop man if we can have the movie poster of Caddyshack from his window. Until the next time, remember... Keep pegging! The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast from iCall Media which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments and television programmes are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. <laughs> Get up. I've just remembered Big Buddy Papa. <laughs> <laughs>